Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Real Estate Investor Goddesses podcast. I'm your host, Monique Hom. On this show, I interview badass real estate investing goddesses, goddesses that are successfully investing in real estate. And I am supremely excited today to have with me Mindy Jensen, who is definitely a badass extraordinaire. She is the community manager for biggerpockets.com and she's the co-host of the Bigger Pockets Money podcast. And she's a living flipper with her husband. They do almost all the work by themselves because finding good contractors can be so difficult. So she's here to tell you that real estate investing is not that hard and you can do it too. She has a super inspiring story and I'm so excited to have her here. Welcome, Mindy. Oh, that was so sweet. Thank you, Monique. Keep going, keep going. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm super excited to be here. I love talking about real estate and yes, anybody who is listening to this can do it and it's not that hard. True, very possible and it's not that hard. Though I do recommend that you get some education before you get into it because it's not that hard, but it's not necessarily like something you're born knowing what to do. That, that is the nail on the head. It's not hard. It's not easy. It's work. And it's not that hard of work if you know what you're doing. But if you don't know what you're doing, if you're just trying to, oh, I'll wing it, you are going to have the worst experience of your life. Mm, Yep. That's pretty much sums it up. (laughs) So how did you get started in real estate investing? So I got started because I am cheap. I had a a lease on an apartment and I was like, I can't believe I am throwing my money away on this apartment when I could just own. I could be making mortgage payments every month when the lease was up. I actually had taken over somebody's lease, so it wasn't even my lease. When the lease was up, I moved back in with my parents. I saved up like $4 and bought a $50,000 condo in the suburbs of Chicago. And I lived in there for four years. It was, you know, $50,000 even way back then did not buy you palatial estates. So it was kind of rough. It needed some work. I put in tile kitchen floor. I painted all the walls and I put in a new light fixture, a new dishwasher. The end, like that's all I did to this place. And when I sold it four years later, because I got married and my husband had a house and I didn't want to live in the condo anymore, I made $25,000 off of it. I made $25,000 off of my $50,000 purchase. I'm like, oh, I want to do that again. So that kind of started it. We just, we were living in my husband's grandmother's house. Like her, she had passed away. So he was living there and we fixed that up and made $100,000 off of it. And it's like, well, we'll just keep doing this for a while because this is awesome. Nice. So you're really about flipping. Do you do, you do some buy and hold too? Or is this really just a... Like you live and flip. I started off living flipping because I didn't want to deal with tenants and toilets. I don't know if you've ever heard that before. Um, (laughs) Tenants, toilets, termites, the three T's. Oh, yes, the termites. Yes, I always forget the third T because I don't live in termite land. So it's not a huge problem for us. But yeah, you know, I was on a panel at FinCon and I asked the four very seasoned experts. How many times have you gotten a phone call at two o'clock in the morning from your tenant? Never in 10 years and 90 units from Chad Carson uh, 
once it, or no, once in 10 years and 90 units, never in four years and four units, never in four years and eight units. And then Gwen never had one, but she had like a rap concert on her front lawn at two o'clock in the morning. So the neighbor called her for that. But like literally that never happens. But that's the thing that everybody thinks is going to happen. So I started off because I didn't want to deal with tenants and toilets. I was just going to flip the houses. Once we discovered that you can, in fact, live through a construction zone, we just did that. We've done it eight times. We, I, Oh, and I want to point out that the reason that we do this is because when we sell it, if we've owned it for more than two years, and we always own it for more than two years, when we sell it, we pay no capital gains taxes. I literally pay no taxes on any of this money that I'm making, that $100,000 off of my husband's grandmother's house, all in my pocket, none to Uncle Sam. So that is a lot different than people who don't live in the home and don't, you know, hold it for two years as their primary residence because then they're paying regular business income tax on whatever flip profit they have. And I pay none legally. Let me say that legally. Yeah, I love that. Yes, because you have a $500,000 capital gains credit as a married couple if you've lived in it. And then, but otherwise, it is active income, just active yep. income. You know, less than a year that you you own the property. Um, so I mainly live in flipping, but then I discovered, you know, you don't have to deal with tenants and toilets if your property is in Maine and you're having somebody else handle it for you. Uh, so I have two partners on a 46 unit mobile home park in Maine and I live in Colorado and I just bought a, this is my win. I just bought a co-working space with a couple of partners in my hometown. Nice. Congrats. Thank you. So very excited about that. Yeah. Very curious about this uh, co-working space. So tell me, because I know that is like the newest thing, right? They're really, they're really a hit. So what, what made you want to get into that? What do you like about the co-working space? I really like the community that it's building. It's not your traditional co-working space. It isn't. Um, most of the co-working spaces in our area charge $200 a month and up. And we charge significantly less because we're catering to a certain kind of clientele. You mentioned in your beautiful introduction to me that I'm the co-host of the Bigger Pockets Money podcast, where we talk about people's journey to financial independence, um, real estate plays a huge part in a lot of people's journey. And the financial independence community is the one that we're trying to build kind of surrounding this co-working space, but also giving people a reasonably priced place to come work. You know, my husband worked from home for a hundred years and we were always looking for a place for him to work because we had little kids. We have, you know, all wood floors would sound bounces all over the place. And it's hard to concentrate when your kid is crying, you know, for an hour or whatever. So having a space like this would have been really awesome for him, but we couldn't find anything. We could find something that was like a hundred dollars a month, but it didn't include internet, which was also a hundred dollars a month. And then you had to get furniture and then you had to do this and that. And then it just didn't make any sense to our cheap selves. Yeah. So yeah, when you're talking about a really budget conscious clientele, then that's a good selling point. Yeah. But we also bought a property that was, it was a store and they sold, they just sold like ladies clothes, but I don't know if they weren't very profitable. They moved out and the store came up on the market and we bought it and it was just a really great purchase. So because we bought so well, we can afford to not charge a lot of money. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. I love that. Do you want to share the name of it for so people who want to 
co-work there can go. It's uh, one of my partners is somebody called Mr. Money Mustache. So it's called Stashmont, the Stashmont or Mr. Money Mustache headquarters in Longmont, Colorado. All right. So if any of you uh, are out there in Colorado, uh, Longmont, Colorado, or the surrounding areas, then there's a wonderfully affordable place uh, where you can go work. (laughs) Yes. Awesome. So you told me you've been investing a lot using your self-directed 401k. Tell me about that. First of all, explain what that is, because a lot of people don't understand what that is. And why, why do you like it? Why do you think it's been a good option for you? Uh, so the self-directed solo 401k has a lot of really amazing options. And I'm going to try and remember them all because like, it's almost unbelievable. But the first and foremost is you have to have self-employment income. It has to be a true source of income. You can't just say, oh, I, you know, my dad paid me to advertise on his store sign. And I, I guess actually that might be real income. It has to be real self-employment income. But once you have that, you can put the limit is $19,000, I think, this year. Is it nineteen or nineteen five? I think you can put up to 55000 You can put up to 55000 if you're self-employed. If you are just a regular old person with a 401k, you can contribute up to, I think it's 19000 for 2019. But my company can contribute up to 25% of my income. So the more I pay myself, the more I can put into my 401k. And I think it is capped at like 52 or 55,000. But then I can take that money and I can invest it in the stock market like a traditional 401k, or I can invest it in other things that I choose, such as real estate, which is really the only thing I choose. Um, And I can also make private loans through that. So I have made some private loans to other real estate investors who are able to find better deals than I can find in my current very hot market. I have used it to invest in syndications. I have used it to to lend to somebody who makes mortgages himself or his company does. So there's a lot of different ways you can use it. And if you don't have self-employment income, you can still take advantage of most of these things, but in a self-directed IRA which has similar limits. I don't think you can contribute as much like your company doesn't, but you can still. Your contribution amount. And then. Oh, is it 5,500? Oh, okay. That stinks. That's way worse then. Um, I don't have one of those clearly. So I probably should just not talk about that. So um, (laughs) just note that with the self-directed IRA, there's something called a UBIT tax. So when you're selling properties within it, sometimes you can get hit by this 30% tax within your self-directed IRA. Which is no bueno. Um, yes. But Thank you for or one k does not have that. So um, nope. All the growth in the solo four hundred one k just is growth. As though I bought Facebook for a dollar and it went to a million. That's so with the real estate there. So it it really is. If you have self directed income, the four hundred one k is, in my opinion, the better option. But clearly, you should talk to your financial advisor to get. The right information for you and your choices. But yeah, that has been amazing. I have grown my portfolio significantly just by opening up a self-directed solo 401k, putting all of my other 401ks into it from you know past jobs and then using that to invest. That's how I bought the mobile home park. Um, I did not buy the co-working space through there, but I've made a lot of loans and a lot of uh, syndication investments too. All right. Awesome. I love it. So if you guys want to know more about this on my blog, on my website, ariagoddesses.com, 
I wrote a post about that, and then you can also get a free book all about self-directed 401ks. So you can check that out. Also, I just want to make a point because I know you do these live and flips. You do not use your self-directed 401k for your live and flips, right? Because that, that would be disallowed. That is correct. It must be an arm's length deal. So I can't buy a house for my dad or, you know, do any of the work on it, uh, which makes buying the mobile home park in Maine such a sweet proposition through the self-directed solo 401k. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to be tempted to do anything on it because it's so far away. And then it like if I had a property closer to me, I might be a little more tempted to be like, oh, I'll just go paint the walls. Uh, Yeah, can't do that. (laughs) Can't do that. that you can't cool. do that. So I don't. Add equity into your properties that are owned with your self-directed IRA. And I think you can pick up rent, and that's that's about it. But yeah, you just you can't can't even mow the lawn or paint a wall or any of that. So, nope. Yeah, nope. Right. It's allowed, and you can get yourself into quite quite bit of trouble if you decide to just be like, oh, nobody will know. They always find out. Don't do it. Yeah. Yeah. I think there are awesome instruments, but you just make sure you know the rules so that you don't run afoul of them by accident. All right. Well, speaking of running afoul of things and not doing things the right way. So I always like to ask, what was your biggest mistake in real estate and what did you learn from it? Well, I don't know if you know this, but around about 2008, there was a teeny dip in this real estate market. Yeah. So of course I bought the house at the height of the market in 2006. I think we even started to kind of dip a little bit. And I was so consumed with making the house better that I didn't really pay attention to what was going on in the market. And then I decided, oh, wow, taxes are really, really high here. My tax bill for my monthly tax bill for my property in Wisconsin is the same as my yearly tax bill for my property in Colorado. And part of that is just my house was so much more expensive in Colorado or in Wisconsin, but also a large part of that is just the tax rate in Wisconsin is so unbelievably high. And the tax rate in Colorado is so unbelievably low that they were, I mean, my taxes were $14,000 a year and now they're $1,100 a year. And that I like $1,100 a year much better. So um, not, not paying attention to the taxes can I mean, that's a really big chunk of my monthly expenses was just in taxes. And you don't like, yes, you get services for them, but that that's not like a rewarding purchase. That's not something that you're like, yes, I paid my taxes. Look at all these roads I get to drive on. Like nobody takes that into consideration. So um, yeah, it's an unthankful <laughs> purchase. Um, that so. Okay, so then the, the things you learned are a paying attention to the market, right? So where you said you bought in two thousand six, so you bought when it was high, and was it hard to sell, or what? What happened with that property? Well, it was a weird property. That is uh, something that I really wish I would have paid attention to before I had brought, bought that property. It was weird in relationship to the rest of the city. It was on a lake. So it's obviously more expensive because it's on a lake, but it was also a big house on a lake. And so it's even more expensive. And in, when you look, that house is $800,000 on the lake across the street, it's $200,000. And it's not like, it's a smaller house. that's not on the lake, but it's, it's it's not that much different, but there's a huge difference. So I'm severely limiting my buyer's pool 
to people who want to be on the lake and have enough money in an area where like $200,000 houses are the norm. I've got an $800,000 house. And I actually, I wanted it to be a million dollar house. I thought for sure it was going to be a million dollar house. And then the market kind of dropped and we were lucky to sell it for 800,000. So, you know, that's, I don't know, in hindsight, maybe I would have stayed a little bit longer. Maybe I would have, but I I mean, who knows when the market's going to change? I don't know when the market's going to drop. I don't know when the market's going to go up. There's things that you can pay attention to that kind of, you know, give you some clues, but you know, you're in this business too. Yeah. It took a long time to recover. It did. And some places still haven't recovered. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, credit was hard to get. You know, you're, you should be happy. You sold it for that much. I should be happy. I sold it. I guess I shouldn't tell you shouldn't be happy. Yes, I am. I am very happy. I sold it. I don't want to continue. I mean, once I sold it, the property taxes went up to $17,000. And that was six years ago. Who knows how much they are now? That's crazy. So there yeah. are a couple there are really good points you're making. So one is really paying attention to the property taxes because that does make a difference to the bottom line, to the numbers. And also, I mean, so much of what you've been saying, your strategies are really geared around like tax mitigation. And a lot of people don't think about that. They really think just about the income. Um, but the tax mitigation benefits of real estate i mean they can make a you can be paying not only do you want your money tax-free sometimes you can get it so that your actually look your taxes look like you have a loss and so you're you're paying less in taxes than you otherwise would have um just because you do own the real estate even though you're making more money you're paying less than taxes so the tax benefits of real estate are so are so big but if you're not really tuned into it, keyed in, you could be making investments where you're actually paying more in taxes and property tax-wise. So Yes, you can. And I sure did. I would say that's a really good point. And this is where your really good real estate uh, focused tax advisor can help give you some guidelines. Like there's depreciation. Are you taking depreciation on your rental properties? Even if you're not Uncle Sam thinks you are. And when you go to sell, he is going to make you recapture all the depreciation that you took or did not take. So, you know, but you don't know what you don't know. It goes back to the very beginning. Get your education. You know, getting a good tax advisor, they will save you a whole lot more than you pay them in in advice. So, yeah, definitely. A good tax advisor will, will make you money. Not just when you save money, you'll, like, you'll, you'll end up with a net positive from that. So, um, yes. Definitely, it's totally worth it. Okay, so the flip side of the biggest mistake, what are you most proud of? Whew. This is a really good question. What am I most proud of? I am proud of the work that I do in the property. I don't know if you've ever been to a property where you're like, oh, I don't know who did the work here, but they really don't know what they're doing. <laughs> a neighbor's property was on the market and I went in to see it because I'm nosy and I'm looking around. I'm like, wait, he took... Like on this short piece of wall, he took two pieces of trim and like scissored them together, but not really like mitered them together, but not even really like it comes in in lengths longer than that. You always use a big, long piece on every single wall. Otherwise, it looks terrible. And you ran out of like instead of having a, a like a three inch piece of wood, you know, wood planks, he ran out because there was only an inch left. So he just left it. 
there was just an inch of open space. I'm like, you can't do that. I mean, I guess you can, but I am very proud of the work that we do in every one of our flips. We've learned how to do plumbing the right way. We've learned how to do electricity. I won't do drywall ever again, but I know how to do it should I want to. But I'm really proud of the the product that I'm giving out. Yeah, it's nice to have places where you're, you're it's just, it looks good and you're really, really proud of, of what you've done. And people will want to, they're like, no, okay, this is the Jensen property. We, we feel good about <laughs> Cool. So to what do you attribute your success? Having a very strong partner where we are on the same page. Live-in flipping can be draining when you're living in the property. I mean, if you've ever done a flip, you know, something goes wrong. There's always something unexpected. There's always something. And you're like, oh, that's going to be another $1,000 or, you know, however much it is. And in the grand scheme of things, if you're putting in $100,000 and the only thing you find is an extra $1,000 somewhere, you should be super, super excited as long as that's what you budgeted for. If you budgeted for $20,000 and you're like, oh, it's 100 and now there's another 1000 that I got to dump. You're like, oh, that kills me. But just having somebody on the same page and like we're such a good team that when I'm having a day like, oh my goodness, I can't believe we found another thing. He's like, no, it's no big deal. We can totally fix it. And when he's, when the role's reversed, you know, it's, I'm right there. Like we're never both down at the same time. So having a very strong partner to help get you through kind of the rough spots of live-in flipping, because I'm, I'm making it sound like it's all peaches and roses and it's not. Sometimes you're like, I can't believe there's unicorns and and rainbows. (laughs) no. Oh, look, more dust. Oh, I just, you know, stepped on a nail. I can't wait to get that tetanus shot. That hurts. That really hurts for like a week. You know, breaking a tile right after you put it on, you're like, uh, but you just pull it back up. I mean, there's, but yeah, if I didn't have the same partner, this amazing, and that's my husband. I don't know that I said that, but if I didn't have my husband by my side the whole time, I would have really just stopped. Let me ask you a question about that. I, I also work with my husband and he's my, he's my business partner and I, and I love it. And then we have a great time and we're actually doing an event in July called real estate investor soulmate. So it's for people who are who oh, want cool. to be partnering together with their, um, with their significant other. So I'm, I'm curious, what do you think makes for your successful partnership with your husband? We talk all the time and I, respect him. He respects me. We have conversations that are, I mean, they're not always lovey-dovey. Sometimes I'm frustrated with a behavior that he has, but he's still a really great person. He, you know, he left the dishwasher open and I ran into it or like something stupid like that. Or, you know, oh, he dropped a tile on the floor. He didn't do it on purpose. It stinks that, you know, something broke or this didn't work or whatever. But, you know, remember that this is somebody that you respect and have conversations. Your husband does not read minds. No matter what he says, he does not read minds. So if you want him to know something, you have to say it to him. You can't think it in your head and then, you know, he's just going to know you have to say the words. I wish you wouldn't do this. Oh, okay. I'll stop. Or I wish we could do this. Or I'm, you know, I don't like what this is happening. You know, it's just communication is absolutely the key. I love that. Communication, mutual respect. It's so true what you say because there are so many women, especially those like they're furious with the men in their lives because 
they shouldn't have known or they should know something, but they've never communicated with that with that person. Um, and they're just, they're so mad because obviously they should have known, you know, to always say, well, if you haven't told them <laughs> like explicitly, then you can't, can't really be mad because they're not mind readers. So I love that. Well, yeah, throw the throw it on the reverse. Can you read his mind? No, you don't know what he thinks you should know. Ask him. If you want to know the answer to a question, ask the question. And if you want somebody to know something, then tell them. Yes. Love it. So good. There you go. What advice do you have for a woman who's just starting out in this field? Uh, get educated. Learn first of all, what kind of investing you want to do? Do you want to be a landlord? Because it's not that hard. It's not that easy. It's just work. Do you want to flip houses? Again, it's not that hard. It's not that easy. It's just work. Finding a contractor kind of stinks, but you could do almost anything by yourself. Plumbing isn't that hard. Although I will say I don't have the strength necessarily to tighten some of the things so they don't leak. So that part's kind of hard, but they have this new system called PEX that. You don't have to do any welding. You don't have to do any tightening. You just take these big pliers and clamp them shut. And it makes like you can test the joint right then and there. And, you know, learn on YouTube, learn on biggerpockets.com, learn on Monique's website, learn anywhere you can find information. I mean, Google is your best friend. I started this before YouTube, before the internet. And, you know, it's so much easier now. Just, but learn. There's books, there's websites, there's podcasts, there's videos, there's like any way you learn. If you're visual or audio or whatever, you can learn and just keep researching until you, you know, start to see the same answers over and over again because this information is out there. And for you not to take advantage of it is doing yourself a disservice and your finances. Yes. So good. I love that. Also, ladies, there are ways to do it where you don't have to do the work yourself. Um, yeah, yes. I've lived and I don't, you, you can actually find good contractors as possible. I have. Yes. So, but yes, you can do it yourself. There's no limits and you just have to get educated. So I love that. Now, before we get, we're almost at the end. Unfortunately, our time is close up. And before we get to our famed end of show, Trinity, which is a brag, a gratitude and a desire. Well, first of all, what's the best way for people to reach you and find out more about what you do? I am the community manager at biggerpockets.com and I am all over the website. If you are not a member, when you join, I will be your first contact. If you are a member, I'm probably your first contact. You can find me at on Twitter, Mindy ATBP, Mindy at BP. That's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Um, you can find, you can email me, Mindy at biggerpockets.com. Um, and I am all over that website. Awesome. And Bigger Pockets is phenomenal. Um, just all things real estate investing. So definitely check it out and uh, check out Mindy there. Uh, all right. So it's time for our Trinity. So what is one brag? What are you celebrating right now? Uh, like I said earlier, I am celebrating the co-working space. It is really a lot of fun to build something with people that I really like. And in the case of my husband, love, um, it's just really exciting to build this community and be a part of this community where people all have similar goals and uh, mindsets. Oh, Brad. And what's one thing you're grateful for? I am so grateful for healthy kids. I have a friend whose daughter just broke her arm and I'm like, oh my goodness, that's, 
just got to be horrible. And, you know, another friend, her kids are always sick and they're like in the hospital sick. And I have very healthy children and I am so grateful for that. Awesome. Beautiful. And last but certainly not least, what's one desire? Oh, one desire. I would like another really awesome real estate investment. (laughs) All right. So shall your desire be or so much better than you can imagine. Thank you. May the goddesses shine their real estate love upon me and help me find that property. There's a property around the corner that went under contract with somebody else and I'm hoping that it falls out. All right. Well, Whatever, whatever property is yours by divine right, that will show up. Thank you. You're welcome. And thank you. That was awesome. Again, you guys can find Mindy at Bigger Pockets or at Mindy at BP on, I guess, everywhere. On all the socials. socials. <laughs> all the socials. <laughs> and you can find me at reigoddesses.com. You can connect with me there and, um, and subscribe to the podcast and comment below and, and be in touch. All right. And thank you. And come back next week for another amazing real estate investor goddess interview. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here.